Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. Well, we're now talking to two uh, special friends. One's been a friend for a long time. That's Father Frank Pavone. You know him as an activist who, my goodness, how many how many lives of babies has he saved as an activist in the pro-life cause? He's a hero to us. Uh, he's been a leader for a long, long, long time. And he's been interviewed about this topic already in the World Prayer Network, so you may remember that. I'm also be- meeting a brand new friend, Bishop Joseph Strickland. He's from Tyler, Texas, and he has been in the national, I suspect, international news. And I suppose, I suppose interviewed a great deal lately. We're so honored to have you. Uh, Bishop Strickland, thank you for being with us. Thank you. I'm honored to be with you, Jim. And uh, Father Frank Pavone, thank you for being back with us again. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. Thanks. Well, we're going to go just jump right into the topic. Uh, Both of you made headlines for very similar reasons, and I suspect very painful reasons, truth be known. This is not a, this is not, we we may smile and make a few jokes, but this is not funny. This is very serious, and it's also very, very painful. Uh, We know Father Pavone's story uh, a little bit, but I may wrap around and come back to him. Bishop Joseph Strickland, you have made uh, the news recently. I don't know what the proper terminology is. Fired from your job is not the right terminology. But straight from the Pope in Rome, as I understand it, you your role has, as, as a respected bishop in your community, deeply loved, has suddenly been, uh, been terminated. What is the proper terminology for the procedure that's just happened to you? Well, um, as you mentioned, Pope Francis has removed me as Bishop of the Diocese of Tyler. Um, The word that was actually used in the very brief letter that I received was relieved of the responsibilities of being the Bishop of Tyler. Um, An interesting word, relieved, uh, but that's the word that was actually used. And the main thing that was important to me, um, I was asked to resign, but because that was my own choice and my own action of resigning from office, I respectfully said, I really can't do that. I saw that as my choice to abandon the flock that I've been given in these 33 counties of East Texas. So I said, I choose not to resign. but I fully respect the, the authority given to Pope Francis to remove me as bishop as Pope Benedict assigned me as bishop almost 11 years ago. So to me, the, um, the important thing is to proclaim the truth of Christ and to urge Pope Francis, the cardinals, and all the bishops of the world the, the Catholic Church is all about proclaiming Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of truth, truth incarnate. That's our theology. That's our teaching. And I urge all of the church to proclaim Christ's truth. Um, and as Pope Francis is presently, um, with respect, he is the occupant of the chair of Peter which is very sacred for us as Catholics, we believe he is in the line of succession all the way back to St. Peter when Christ said, you are rock 
and upon this rock I build my church. So as you mentioned, uh, Pastor Jim, we take it very seriously. Yeah, you have to be able to laugh and, and have lighter moments, but it is very serious. It's very sad to me for the people of the Diocese of Tyler. Certainly, some are pleased at the Pope's action, some are not, but it, it's sad because it's disruptive, uh, to the very least, it's disruptive to the important work of proclaiming the truth that we all need to be about. And when I think of people being terminated in these kind of roles, I think of something egregious like confiscating funds, some impact <clears throat> of immortality, I mean, uh, immorality. Uh, in your particular case, you were removed for what, the Babylon Bee, by the way. Uh, you may know that, you know, okay, you're aware of it. I see by the smile, you know what the Babylon Bee is. They said you were removed for being too Catholic. The Pope removed you from being too Catholic. Um, I Dripping that, with irony. What's that? Dripping with irony. That I mean, I'm familiar with the Babylon Bee, and it's interesting how satire is sort of meshing with the the reality. But uh, so, why were you removed? Uh, you you were removed for being too Catholic. Uh, why why were you removed? Well, um, as I was told, I think it comes down to what we call, and when I was ordained a bishop, I was, one of the promises I made was to guard the deposit of faith, which for us means sacred scripture, means uh, the Bible, uh, means all the tradition of 2000 years as it's continued and deepened in the life of the church. It's papal documents, it's documents of councils, so it's the catechism. So the deposit of faith for us as Catholics is extensive. It's the truth of the apostles. It's the truth that truth incarnate, our Lord Jesus Christ has revealed to the world by his life, death, and resurrection. So I have been doing my best to guard the deposit of faith and really Pastor Jim, I, it's, it's a tragic thing to say, but I feel obligated to call all the hierarchy, Pope, Cardinals, Bishops, all to a clearer proclamation of the truth of Jesus Christ. There are a lot of questions that are out there that to me are non-questions. Marriage is between a man and a woman. That's the answer. There are lots of questions. What is marriage? What about these unions of same-sex unions and all? The answer is marriage is between a man and a woman. That's the truth of Jesus Christ. The truth of Jesus Christ is God has created us male and female. All of this confusion, no. And I feel it's my job as one bishop to call the church back to that clarity about the truth, the truth sets us free. The truth is glorious and beautiful. The truth is fully revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. And we as Catholics believe in word and sacrament, we're called and strengthened to live the truth. For us, sacraments aren't separate from word. It's all woven together because both are about Jesus Christ. And you, um, did you actually call the Pope? I've been following his statements ever since he became the Pope, Pope Francis, and quite shocked at 
repeatedly of his waffling on what I thought was good Catholic theology, uh, and more recently on the issue of the definition of marriage and the issue of now what we call transgenderism in our culture. It, it, were, were you making statements on this that made him uncomfortable? Is that why he took action? From what I understand, yes. Um, I mean, certainly the deposit of faith is wide ranging. Everything from who is Jesus Christ to who are we created in the image and likeness of God. Um, so it's not just the moral issues, uh, but those are, in my understanding, pretty much under attack. I mean, many would say, even within the church, oh, they're just under discussion. But they're, they're settled questions that, from my perspective, are being seriously questioned. I call that attacking the truth that is yeah. Jesus Christ. And uh, so I feel obligated to speak up. I love Christ. I love his church. I absolutely believe that the Catholic Church is the church he has founded. I know that that's not your belief, and I respect that. But I, the martyrs of old and the saints have lived and died that faith in Jesus Christ, in the, his bride, the church, and in our mission to go out to all the world and proclaim the good news so that people can know and live the truth of Jesus Christ. So I will do anything I can to call anyone back to that truth that is Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior incarnate among us. He died and rose. We all, that's the core belief that we all share, how the church functions and what the authority of the church is. That's where there's some divergence in the Christian community. But I think you would agree with me, Pastor Jim, that um, all of us need to be united in these basic truths. And I feel yeah. blessed to be in a evangelical Protestant area here in East Texas, where we're, we are together. We know that life is sacred as Father Pavone has given his life's work to guarding the sanctity of the life of the unborn, that sadly is as deeply under attack as it has been. Many are believing, but many are still attacking the life of the unborn. That's one of the basic truths. Thankfully, I don't think I'm in trouble for that, but I am in trouble for other truths that seem to be under, uh, under discussion. And frankly, even with the abortion question, there are too many people that have been welcomed into the Vatican who are flagrantly promoting abortion. And that's a contradiction, that's a confusion that we've just got to be clear, crystal clear about the truth of who God is, who his son Jesus Christ is, of the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of the sacraments. Uh, Bishop, uh, Arch Archbishop Salvador Corleone is one of my close friends. We've worked together defending marriage. Um, Archbishop Charlie Shepio, uh, you guys pronounce it, but uh, the correct pronunciation, <laughs> he grew up in the same little tiny farm town that I did, really? uh, Concordia, Kansas. And uh, the Shepews were a very respected family. They owned the funeral home. In fact, they just they just did the funeral for my mother uh, just last, last month, as a matter of fact. <clears throat> it's actually in their family name. They've since sold it. But uh, Charlie Shepew, as an archbishop, uh, Denver and Philadelphia, 
he stood very firm. And Salvador Corleone worked hard to defend marriage in, in California. We worked side by side in 2008 on Proposition 8, and that's how we formed our, our friendship. But but from what, and, and by the way, Charlie and I never met in our hometown of Concordia, Kansas. He was a little bit older than me, enough older that we never met. We met for the first time in the Vatican at a meeting of all, time, all places in, in Rome. But as we listen to this current pope, I don't want to put you on a spot and make you say, you'll know how to answer this tactfully, but it does not seem to me that the present Pope has any commitment to marriage as one man, one woman. The overtures are drifting. And then this last week, I heard things that caused me to think he doesn't recognize the reality God created us male and female. Uh, To what extent is my analysis at all correct? And if so, is he surrounded there in the Vatican with people like him or are people like you being removed systematically throughout the institution well pastor um you raise the questions that catholics are answering i mean the catholics are asking as well and we need answers uh definitely um it's harder honestly to know exactly what pope francis truly believes in the depths of his heart because he'll say things that are very significant. He he said that abortion was murder, which we believe, Um, but then there's some inconsistencies. I, I can say, in my opinion, unequivocally, that there are definitely people in the Vatican, many of whom he has named to significant Vatican positions who openly and blatantly contradict Catholic teaching on marriage, on the sanctity of us created as male and female, on the even the, the question of the, the sanctity of life from conception to natural death. Pope Francis, frankly, is more vague and confusing in what he says. He'll say one thing that's very clear, and I applaud that, and then another time, it's not so clear. They're definitely, so with the question of Pope Francis, always, as I've said, and I will repeat, um, in my Catholic faith, the best way to support and respect the Pope is to live the truth of Jesus Christ, to guard the deposit of faith, to be very clear about these truths of what the church teaches. teaches. Um, so. It's, it's a kind of a rock and a hard place to respect the Pope, but also challenge him to be clear about the truth. And really, Pastor Jim, that is one thing that I would say that gives me heartache is the Pope in our Catholic theology. I mean, the reason I am respecting his authority to remove me as bishop is because we believe He has supreme authority in the church. And as one phrase we use for the Pope, the Holy Father, is supreme pontiff, which means supreme bridge builder. That bridge can only be built with the truth. Pope Francis, in our Catholic faith, has the unique position of once and for all clearly answering all of these confusions and all of these questions 
that are bouncing around the world, not just in the Catholic Church, but I know other Protestant churches that are dividing over some of these issues as well. It's humanity. And we believe the role of the church that Christ established is to give the clear answer of the truth. The Pope is the one person we believe in the world who can speak authoritatively and clear away all the confusion. And it wouldn't have to be a real extensive, complicated statement. As a country boy, I think the truth is often simple and clear. And that is what we need from the church and from the Pope. And he has the authority to make that simple, clear statement. Life is sacred from conception to natural death. And if you're promoting abortion, you need to reform your life. You need to repent of that sin and come back to the truth that the church proclaims. Marriage is between one man and one woman, committed for life, open to children, all of those elements, and that needs to be proclaimed clearly. Any other union that involves a sexual activity, the church teaches is immoral. Not just between same sex, but between a man and a woman. When they are not committed in marriage, we say that is immoral. Any sexual activity that isn't within the bond of marriage as God ordained is immoral. That truth needs to be proclaimed with absolute clarity. <coughs> Excuse me. And the Pope has the unique position of authority in the Catholic Church, and really, I think, for the world to once and for all answer those questions as predecessor popes of Pope Francis, Pope Benedict, Pope John Paul II, and through the ages, I mean, the answers that we have come from Christ, but they've been deepened and clarified for each age, and doctrine has developed in the sense of knowing it more deeply. Yes, we believe that the mysteries of God are beyond anything that we can say, okay, we fully understand, but God has revealed the truth we need for the salvation of our souls. And that truth needs to be proclaimed from the rooftops with vigor, with joy, with strength. And that's what I pray will ultimately happen in our lifetime, that all of these confusions, all of this agenda of what we call the woke agenda needs to be clarified. No, the ancient truth that Jesus Christ proclaimed really isn't ancient. It's ever ancient, ever not new. He is the Lord of yesterday, today, and forever. He's the way, the truth, and the life. We all believe in Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. We need to live it and recognize him as having given us the truth that is the salvation of humanity. Well, I thank you for your passion for our Lord, and uh, you certainly have a pastor's heart. You are quite correct that we as evangelicals are having some serious problems within our denominational frameworks on these same issues. Uh, it's not just a Catholic church. Evangelical Protestants are facing it. By the way, the reason I was in the Vatican uh, that I mentioned was a group of Protestants and Catholics came together for the purpose of the Pope making a firm statement affirming marriage as being one man, one woman, which at, on that particular occasion he did 
we've watched uh, the termination of, I believe his name was Cardinal Raymond Burke, which concerned us. Uh, I know it's not the right name, but I, I would call it the Supreme Court, sort of, of the Catholic Church. Sure. Um, and then we've been very concerned on his overtures, the Pope's overtures towards Islam. And that has raised a huge red flag of what in the world is happening there. You said you were a country boy. Where'd you grow up? Here in East Texas, um, near a town called Texarkana. The little town was Atlanta, Texas. Not the big one in Georgia, but a little one in Texas, Atlanta. Isn't that where Ellen DeGeneres came from? <laughs> yes. Yeah, That's she was in school, one grade ahead of me. I, sorry, I knew of sorry. Her. I didn't know sorry her well, bring... but yeah, we're both. Sorry to bring that one up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I, I can say Joseph Strickland came from Atlanta. So that's what that's what I, I, I will say. And I'm a farm boy too, from, from Kansas, I said. Father Pavone, uh, you have been through this. I, I, so, I assume the procedure is not identical, but what I'm hearing from both of you was the vagueness of your terminations. No. There were specific, if I'm hearing both of you, there were not specific charges. It was just vague and you're gone. Uh, that he, 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 he said relieved, Bishop, the bishop said he was, quote, relieved, which is obviously terminated. What was the language Father Pavone used for you uh, in the Protestant world we call defrocking or removing the ordination credentials? That's the language we would use. What, did, what yeah. happened to you, actually? Yeah, there are two 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 terms, laicized or dismissed from the clerical state. In other words, we believe you're always a priest once you're ordained, uh, just like you're always baptized once you're baptized. But uh, the Pope uh, uh, has the authority to say you cannot function publicly as a priest, and that's what 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 happened with me. Now there were a lot of similarities as as Bishop Strickland, of course, as we're following your story. You know, in my case, this battle has been going on for 21 years. Uh, back in, uh, I, I began leading Priest for Life in 1993. The organization grew very, very uh, quickly, uh, became very influential. And around 2001, once Cardinal O'Connor died, and Cardinal O'Connor had ordained me and released me for Priest for Life work, and he was a great champion of the unborn himself. Once he died and his successor came into place, that's when the friction started. And when I say friction, uh, and not because of any disloyalty on my part or, or failure to teach in full, full union with the church, uh, but rather uh, administrative uh, assignment related questions. Like he was saying, oh, well, you know, maybe you've served priest for life long enough. I need you back in the parish and, and, and all of this. So ultimately I accepted an assignment in a parish, but it was a small parish and I was able to continue my, my pro-life work and even leading priests for life. Uh, but then that apparently wasn't good enough for them. And they tried to start restricting my work with priests for life and on and on and back and forth. It went over two decades. And very often I had to appeal to the Vatican because I, I felt I was in the, in the right and, you know, being restricted without, without reason. And the Vatican upheld my position numerous times under under John Paul II and then under Benedict, even under Pope Francis. We had an appeal uh, that said, "Hey, listen, I don't have a I don't have a working relationship with the bishop that I am uh, under, who happened to also be a, a bishop from Texas." 
And I said, please, I want to live my priesthood. I want to exercise my pro-life service. Please help me to do it by at least putting me under a bishop with whom I can communicate, with whom I can have a relationship. Uh, it's not that I don't want to be obedient, I, 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 but, I, but I want to be faithful to the, to the fullness of my vocation. And it wasn't just that it was my idea. It was a vocation that was bearing fruit, and that had been affirmed multiple times by the very same church authority. So it's like, there is a calling here to defend the unborn. There is a purpose. There is a fruitful ministry. If I did something wrong, let me know what it is and, 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 and let me repent of it and correct it. But let's move forward. We've got to end abortion. Uh, you know, and some, uh, some of the bishops began complaining. And you know, when bishops start complaining, they can complain about another bishop. They can complain about a priest. And they complain and complain and complain, often behind our backs, and that gets to, to Rome, and that gets to the papal nuncio, and 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 after a while, they feel like they have to do something. Uh, they have to do something about it. Um, you know, I might say, listening to Bishop Strickland now, you know, as you were asking him those questions, notice, uh, and Bishop, I know you've you've made this very clear publicly. It's all about Jesus. This is not about me. It's not about the Pope. It's about Jesus. And the scriptures that come to my mind, and this I always find a great consolation for when, you know, when we become victims of the cancel culture or what I call the weaponization of government in the church. We see the weaponization of government in the civil arena. I think this is a weaponization of government in the church where you take an otherwise valid process. And instead of going after a crime in search of a person, you go after a person in search of a crime. They, they target somebody they don't like or who's having a little bit too much influence, or, you know, they weren't concerned about my governance of Priests for Life. They were concerned about the influence I I, I was having nationwide and worldwide. And I think with Bishop Strickland, I, I, you know, the lack of specificity that, hey, there was really something wrong in the Diocese of Tyler, I don't think that would have been their concern anyway. I think it's more that, you know, the national influence um, that, uh, that comes from just precisely from the bishop's uh, faithful proclamation of the truth. But the scriptures I think of where Jesus said, here's the son of God speaking. And he said, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the father who sent me. And then when he talks about sending the Holy Spirit, and both of these are in John's gospel, he says, the spirit of truth, he will not speak on his own. He will convey to you what he receives from me and, and, and from the Father. So it's like if the second and third person of the Blessed Trinity say their teaching isn't their own, how much more true is that of us? And it's true of the Pope too. We call him the vicar of Christ. Vicar is a, is a referential term. He's got to be representing Christ just like the rest of us do. Well, I have such respect for both of you. Uh, folks, you may notice that both Father Pavone and me, uh, we're, we're both in hotel rooms. We're only uh, we're short distance apart. We've been in the same conference today, sitting side by side with each other in the day, and we're going to the same event tonight. When I was in an event a few months ago with Father Pavone, uh, right after he had been terminated or defrocked or whatever you would call it, there were 400 of us in the room that handed a mic around. Every person had a few seconds to say their name and what their ministry was. So we went around the room very rapidly, 400 people. When they got to him and he said his name, the place exploded in applause. He's the only one. A standing ovation for him as an affirmation for him standing. And I suspect, Bishop Strickland, were we to be able to gather the people from 33 counties of East Texas, there'd be an explosion of applause and appreciation 
for your service. You're one of their own. You were born and raised right there. And I can tell your pastor's heart. And I can tell your, your passion to do what is right. And so it's quite encouraging, quite frankly, to hear you. I'm deeply saddened, both of you have had to go through this. I'm deeply saddened. I don't know what's exactly ahead of you, but I do know this, that the Holy Spirit is going to guide you and your hearts are open to hear him. And your days of ministry are far from over. In fact, it, it could be that God has opened up new vistas of ministry. Uh, Father Pavone, when you were terminated, if I'm not mistaken, the, your visibility in the nation shot up and your impact shot up. Am I correct on that? that well, yes. That yeah, you know, in that sense, there's no such thing as bad press, you know, because no matter what the press says about you, you know, new people who never heard of you before come to learn about you. They take a look for themselves and they say, hey, I like this. I'm going to I'm going to connect with this guy. So it, it, it's always an opportunity for growth. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I can say very sincerely, you know, my 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 uh, uh, position vis-a-vis uh, -vis the church. And when I went to Cardinal O'Connor in 1993 and I said, may I please devote myself full-time to defending the unborn? And he said, yes. My, my petition to the church, if you will, has not changed one bit. And I have as much joy and peace doing this work today as I had in 1993. It's like I haven't changed in that one bit. I'm not asking for anything except the blessing to to defend the unborn full time, and they are worthy of that defense. This is the number one moral issue of our time. This is the number one thing that takes most or more human life than anything else. The U.S. bishops at their meeting just just this week reaffirmed this is the preeminent issue. Why? Because nobody's more defenseless. No right is more fundamental than life. It's taking place within the the sanctuary of the family, and. Uh, there's no, nothing claims more 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 victims than this. So, so how can it not be the preeminent issue? And yet, for people to push back on that and to say, no, 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 Father Frank, you're 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 giving too much attention to abortion. That's not only contrary to the faith; it's it's contrary to any kind of reason, logic, common sense, or or human decency. I think on October the seventh, Hamas terrorists literally carved babies out of the wombs. Of expectant mothers and killed those preborn babies. And on that same day, October 7, in probably every city in every state across America, there were babies carved out of the wombs of mothers and ripped to shreds with no anesthesia to alleviate the, the, the pain. Uh, the, the, the context are radically different, admittedly, but the impact on the baby is exactly the same, yeah. whether it was Hamas or an abortionist. So thank you, thank you for standing. You're quite an encouragement to us. Uh, Father Strickland, is there any final thoughts you have for us? I'm just so appreciative of your time because I know everybody's clamoring to understand what happened. You have been gracious to give us your time. Any final thoughts that you would have for us? Well, just to go back to the theme of the, the sanctity of the life of the unborn, it has been something that I've repeated over and over again and people like Father Pavone, people will tell me, quit speaking about this so much, but it really is a core issue of the truth. Mm. And the, someone has mentioned that when we lose the truth of the sanctity of the life of an unborn child, then we're in danger of losing, losing more and more truth. And I think that's what we're experiencing. So I urge all Catholics, in the hierarchy of the church especially to 
embrace and proclaim the truth because it the truth is the fabric of the universe god is truth his son is truth incarnate and for us to more and more move away from the church we literally uh threaten our own existence and i think we see that unfolding the more that life is denigrated and life is held there's less than sacred that basic truth when we're not living and proclaiming the truth and clinging to jesus christ we're in peril so we've all got to pray harder and continue to voice the truth as fully as we can and pray for those in authority in all of our churches in all of the faith communities and every family really for mothers and fathers to proclaim the truth of the sanctity of life that if we could come together on that basic truth it would deal with so many of the issues we're facing these wars become absolutely senseless and should come to an end if we recognize that every life from is sacred from conception to natural death we've got a lot of work to do but the truth is what we have to proclaim i uh on numerous numerous many saturdays when i lived in dallas fort worth many saturdays i went to early saturday morning to an abortuary one of the killing centers and marched back and forth in front praying we were focused on praying trying to bring down the spirit of death uh operation rescue people were blocking entrances uh many of the catholics walked with us but quite frankly uh the, the catholics have carried overwhelmingly the weight on on bringing down abortion and i'm immensely grateful when i went to my first march for life in washington dc looking around but based upon the signs i saw i felt like the crowd was 90 percent catholic i may be wrong on that but it was exorbitantly high and we as protestants i spoke at the one in san francisco with thirty-five thousand, uh and it was clearly that it was almost entirely catholic uh i, I the one in washington dc uh, that particular year i think the numbers were something possibly as many as six hundred thousand. it was said i've never seen a crowd so big in my life i i I couldn't find the edges of the crowd and i'd never seen it extended so far but all along the side were uh, were buses from catholic churches catholic schools all along the side that brought people so i congratulate you on what you have done in that area you were 10 years ahead of us even we didn't even get it in 1973. it took us almost a decade before we activated uh, you were activated immediately and then on defending uh defending marriage uh quite frankly uh, we, we won to uh, proposition eight in 2008 but it took all the evangelicals all the catholics and then the mormons joined in as well to help defeat or to pro actually protect marriage i should say <clears throat> and um the catholics uh were, were extremely activistic in that with us or we could not have we could not have done it on our own so i thank you for the way it stood that way and i always want to pray a prayer of blessing over both of you if i may as we close absolutely father i i thank you for a new friend and one who's been a friend for a long time and i i just pray the holy spirit minister to them in a, in this moment of adjustment and pain i know father Bavone has had longer to process all this but uh to bishop strickland would you just reveal yourself in a profound way to him of his value to the kingdom his usefulness, his ex 
expanding, I'm praying by faith, expanding, expanding ministry to impact people for Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Thank you for his passion for, for the Lord. And, and, and may the message of the cross be, may it, it, it go further harvest. He's a farm boy and I'm a farm boy, so we understand the language. May his, his life in this moment be like a seed that's gone in the ground and had to die. So a greater harvest of a declaration of the cross of Christ Jesus can go forth across this land. May his influence increase many times over, we pray, for the sake of truth, the sake of the gospel. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. And Pastor Jim, may I say, you mentioned the March for Life. This March for Life 2024, January 19th, we've invited Bishop Strickland to join us for the National Prayer Service that morning to give him the Pro-Life Recognition Award, to pray with him, to thank him, and to give that, as you just said, that 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 gratitude and that honor, uh, even though as he stands very humbly and says, this is not about me, nevertheless, uh, Bishop, we're very happy that... Uh, you know, you you've accepted this this uh, this recognition this coming March for Life, and I know that there's a lot of people going to turn out to come to come and be with you and to pray with you to pray with both of us and uh, with the marchers that'll gather. So, uh, Pastor Jim, that's uh, then that's, that's the uh, Constitution Hall, the morning of the March for Life. We want to invite any of our listeners yes. going to come to join us that morning. I've actually been with you there in that yes. past years. Uh, what's the the date? Is January nineteenth, Friday, January nineteenth. And, uh, and and where do they go online to get information? Nationalprayerservice.com. Okay. Now, is it my last question, uh, Bishop and Father? Is it is it okay? I know we Protestants don't quite get how how, how your politics run the country. Is it okay if I campaign for both of you to be to be Pope, and we try to have an election <laughs> in twenty twenty four? Is that is that okay? Can I, can we, can I do that? Is that all right, sir? Um. I'd rather you campaign for us to be saints one day. There you go. <laughs> okay. Okay. A good Catholic response. Oh, man, we, <laughs> sure, we sure appreciate you, respect you, and honor you on this occasion. Thank you so much for your time. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. Leave us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.